Welcome to Direct Audio Movie Discussions Podcast. My name is Spencer. This is Season 7, which in the grand scheme of things, I think I've said this in the past, it means nothing. But to me, it's just a time capsule of where we are at, both in the podcast life and in life in general. And right now, my life has me in Chicago, Illinois. But my guest, who, as we just talked about, this is his first time being virtual, uh, is back in Michigan. This is Jamie, as I've dictated, Killer Phelps. Hi, Jamie. <laughs> hey, how's it going? It's going good. But one of the things about Jamie Phelps is that he is maybe the biggest hockey fan that I know. <laughs> yeah, and I I notice now you kind of you're kind of saying that with a bit of a question mark because I think I've turned Morgan into an even bigger hockey fan than me which is funny so. because ironically enough like what i mean she'll never be a bigger fan than i am but Teresa, for me has now become a baseball fan like she gets all the scores for the red Sox and the cubs on her phone she'll like mention me that the cubs are winning or losing all this stuff we'll watch games together she wants to go to games so it's funny when those uh, little things kind of get adopted and yeah morgan is a huge hockey fan i don't think i was referring to morgan because i have a lot of friends who are into hockey but i can definitely put y'all i don't know i had a southern i can definitely put y'all both (laughs) in the top five i i was trying to think about this we're obviously covering slap shot i think this might be maybe the most iconic hockey movie besides like if you're like maybe mighty ducks yeah and it's it's weird because i'm a huge hockey fan but i'd never seen this movie up until we had this idea for this episode and that was you know, to me, kind of maybe the most surprising part of the fact that I hadn't seen it was that it is so iconic. I didn't know anything about this film other than the Hanson brothers and, you know, a few clips that my dad had shown me on YouTube over the years of the of the movie. I do want to obviously say the reason why we're covering it is because it's the Stanley Cup Finals. I think what's so funny to me watching this is... It kind of reminds me of a lot of other sports movies because it is the most like cliche in a sense of like we're the down and out team and we're losing and the team's going to get sold and we're going to play. I mean, it's literally Major League. Beat for beat. There are some points where I was like, I feel like Major League just watched this and was like, write that down, write that down, write that down. Yeah. Okay. He, he stalks his ex and he finds her in her house. Like yeah. there's just little weird beats. In rewatching it now, I see why I haven't watched it as much. Um there are moments where this thing just fucking drags. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that was that was the thing for for me. I think that maybe my least favorite aspect of it is that it dragged like like any I'd say any like late seventies comedy movie drags. Um at least in my opinion. Especially like <laughs> Especially since I had a lot of ex- like high expectations coming into it, like that it would be some you know hilarious movie from beginning to end. I was a little let down by the by the dragging, but I'd say that some of the high points in the movie, um, specifically referencing when uh, <laughs> one of the players strips on the ice <laughs> to disqualify the other team. I mean, it, it's so iconic, uh, that that moment in itself. And there's so many layers. And what I love is, I don't know if, I, it had to have been trying to make this note, like, I guess we'll just spoil it. 
that is a scene where obviously they're all fighting and it's literally just like the bloodiest, messiest hockey and everyone's cheering. But the 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 stopping point is stripping and nudity. And what happens literally a beat later is they have a parade downtown and at the cinema they're playing Deep Throat, which is like notoriously <laughs> the biggest porn movie of all time, which is I feel like and I might be reading too much into it, like uh, a message about culture in the 70s at that point where it's like, hey, you can have blood, you can have weapons, you can have all this, but you better not talk about sex because we're like about to dive into like the Reagan era and yeah. like wholesome family values because this is 77. So mm-hmm. uh, this Price, is – Prices of confidence era. Exactly. And this kind of feels like they're like, look – and that's the point of the hockey. He's like, hey, I want to play real hockey. This isn't real hockey. And like yeah. the only hockey they're playing is just kicking the living shit out of each other. But the, when he starts to strip, they're like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Um, yeah. They're like, I, I couldn't possibly carry on. I, yeah. I'm going to leave. Yeah, and I, this movie is, at times, the most pro-LGBT movie I've ever seen, and then also the most anti-LGBT. Like, it's so weird. Where, like, Reggie would be like, yeah. I don't care if you fuck women. That's cool. I might fuck a guy. I don't know. I'm kind of learning myself. And then being yeah. like, hey, man, I'm going to make fun of you because you cross-dressed once. But I'm cool with it. Yeah. And it's like, what are we trying? And then also, the F-slurs. Yes. I mean, that was... That was, I think, maybe the the most like jarring part of watching the movie is I don't think that I've heard or, or watched a, a movie where that that word has been. And I'm not saying fuck. Like yeah. they no, fuck is the dropped. One. It's the other one. It's yeah. it's the other one. It's the it's the slur. And it's and like I said, there are moments where you're like, oh wow, Reggie's super progressive. Like and <laughs> and then you like he, and then he insults this woman's son and you're yeah. like what and I and I it's it's a testament to Reggie the, Reggie Dunlop is played by Paul Newman iconic character iconic actor Paul Newman is one of the greatest actors of all time I mm-hmm. mean known for the Sting known for uh, Butch casting the Sundance Kid uh, multiple award winner also newman's own all those uh like food items that you might know and love that's him he's yeah, just fantastic yeah and th- this might be i mean this isn't his biggest character his because he's in everything hustler cool hand luke um towering inferno color of money um he won an award for color of money but yeah his character reggie i love him as a character because he's trying to do the right thing at all times, but always doing it the wrong way. Yeah. Every single time. Like, you think he's doing something, besides, like, the one moment where he makes fun of that kid's, or that woman's son. Like, everything he's always doing, you see at the end why he did it that way. Because at the end, it was supposed to do something. But he just can never, he can never do it in the right way. And that's his like not one hundred percent character flaw. What did you think of Paul Newman's character? I mean, I thought that he was kind of like the misguided father figure of the entire team. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of ways, he reminded me a lot of. I mean, honestly, every every type of like athlete that's at the end of their career, like a. I mean, I just think of Detroit sports examples, like a Miguel Cabrera on a bad team, you know, where clearly, you know, they refer to it like he has a long, 
at least his character, in the Federal Hockey League that the Chiefs play in. He's had this long career, and he's one of the greats of the game. But he's on a team that is potentially on its way out of town uh, because of economic hardships, and they suck. (laughs) And the fans don't even show up, and they turn against him. And it's very reminiscent, really, of, you know, if you're a fan of any team that's kind of in that rebuilding phase, it's you know, exactly that archetype. Which, we'll get into the film itself. What's funny about this movie is that what I... I don't think it's filmed particularly well. I think the action sequences are great. Like, I think anything on the ice, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, nothing really, like, spectacular. Um, like we said, it, I feel like it, it just drags on at certain points. Um, and this movie is two hours and like what two minutes, something like that. Like, and you feel it. Yes, you do. I do want to quickly say, I didn't realize this till now because it's hilarious because there's barely any music in this movie. Mm-hmm. This film score is done by Elmer Bernstein, who is like one of the most acclaimed composers of all time. Like, for those of you who don't know, Elmer Bernstein. I'm gonna read off some of his films. Ten Commandments, To Kill a Mockingbird, The Great Escape, My Left Foot, Cape Fear, Animal House, Airplane, The Blues Brothers, Ghostbusters, and yet this movie basically has no score. Yeah. Yeah, it's mostly, I was actually surprised by by some of the, the songs that were in here. Like they, it, it was not like, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is it wasn't, wasn't as if they were using royalty-free music. No. Um, I mean, maybe back in the day, rights to music was a lot cheaper. Um, but for a movie with a budget of, well, $6 million, uh, well, I guess maybe in the 70s, that's not too bad. In the 70s, that's not bad at all. Yeah. Let me tell you. In the 70s, you get that kind of budget. I mean, most of it's going to Newman, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> I think, again, this is probably his most known besides butch cassidy this is probably uh his most known role yeah but besides being the the sauce boss right that's what i'm saying besides that like if you're (laughs) talking about film stuff isn't that nuts i mean what a life paul newman led i just want like like what a fucking life he went actor then he directed some films then raised cars and then was like Oh, a political act, uh, activist uh, was in a ton of philanthropic uh, endeavors and then was like, you know what? I'm going to make some sauces. Yeah. Oh, also, he fought in World War II. Right. Yeah. What a that. life. <laughs> I talked about Christopher Lee during the um, uh, Lord of the Rings episode. And if I'm looking at a person who might have casually rivaled the insane life of Christopher Lee, it's got to be Paul Newman. Yeah, and I didn't. I, when when Jamie said racing, it's not that it's just like casual racing. He won so many championships, raced in. Uh, I can't. I never know how to pronounce it. Like Le Mans, Le Mans, Le Mans, Le Mans. Like, and yeah, then created Newman's own. And if you don't know this, all profits and royalties, like after paying taxes. Are all the charity mm-hmm. died in 2008 born into uh, 925 like what a fucking life to live yeah yeah 
It's uh, <laughs> it's it's honestly not really a uh, not really a life that can be fully, I guess, matched. He's he is the coolest person to ever exist. He he really is the Dosakis guy. I think you if know. we can we can officially like give him like top five coolest guy status. Yeah, he went to Yale too. Fucking Smart. shit. Yeah, in the Navy during World War Two. Yeah, yeah. So six like, kids. Six. Yeah, man, what a life to live. Yeah, uh, it's um, it's hard to understate but, how big Paul Newman was in the seventies. I mean, to even put it this way, the person who really wanted this role and was turned down was Al Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, like, I was... <laughs> think about that. And, yeah. and that is 1977 peak Al Pacino. That is Godfather, Dog Day Afternoon, and he is like, I want to be in this movie about hockey goons on the end of my career. And then the director, George Roy Hill, um, who had worked, obviously, with Paul in the past because he did Butch Cassidy, he did The Sting, was like, no, I want Paul Newman. And I think... I don't think I could see another person in that role. Al would be too young for that spot. Yeah. Yeah. And and also, I just, I think what Al Pacino, like, <laughs> what he brings to characters is is not at all what Reggie Dunlop would have, you know. But this movie has an average of 78.33% um, with all the things we look at, with all six scores. But what, do you think that's fair? I do. I think... Is for for a movie that has some of the, I guess, dull moments that would make, I guess, reviewers when you know Rotten Tomatoes was founded in the internet itself became more of a thing. Now in this modern age, you know the way that the movie stacks up, I think that's fair. And and probably at the time, you know, critics were probably saying much of the same thing. Uh, I do want to run through some quick characters here. So just on the team, the big ones, uh, we'll, we'll kind of go through a starting lineup here. Um, right off the bat, obviously, Reggie Dunlop, he's the main pl- – uh, like, what, what position does he play? Is he uh, – he's not center. He's – so – But I he lines he, up – he does face-offs. Yeah, so he is, he is center. Um, Why would you have the slowest, oldest fucking dude being your front-line center? Well <laughs> – I mean, I think the decision was was him. Because, yeah, it was him. Because he is the coach as well. Yeah, and and that wasn't that was a thing in a lot of sports. I mean, baseball yeah. is another prime example of player coaches. Um, by that point in time, I and I think I think the movie really tries to do make this commentary about old time hockey with this team and them being offended by, I guess, newcomers in any sort of way. And the fact that Paul Newman is this player coach, I think, is exemplary of that, where, you know, the Chiefs are this old school team and they do things the old way, the right way, you know, the good old boys way. And, you know, your player coach, whether or not they are the fastest guy out there or not, they're the one taking the face off because, you know, reasons, basically. Um, Also, I mean, taking a face off, it's one of the hardest things to learn how to do well in hockey. It's almost one of those things that when when you have a guy that seems to win them more often than not, um, you know, possession's everything. And it was even back then. So it does make sense, like, if, if uh, Reggie Dunlop was 
you know, the best, the best at taking face-offs that he might still be doing it, even though he's slow. I mean, most likely Reggie just was like, I'm going to take the fucking face-offs. Also in the 70s, like, you're once you touch that puck, I'm probably going to slap you anyways. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Um, I, it feels like they never do line shifts in this movie. Um, See, that's a, that's a part of the game that I I do honestly think, and, and this, this kind of goes for most hockey movies that I've seen, they kind of gloss over the, the nuance, like, or like that part of the game. It's kind of that protection of the audience or the attention of the audience. Yeah, I agree. Um, where you would think you would have 50% of people leaning over to the person next to them and saying, why are they changing lines in the middle of the play? You know, because this is, I mean, <laughs> this is kind of where they didn't, uh, I guess they didn't want to explore it because that wasn't the point of the film. Show the aspects of hockey that people who don't watch hockey know about, then, you know, we can convince them that they're actually playing a full game. I also think, and I do want to, I mean, as I kind of panned one part of that, but I think you mentioned this too, where the quality of play is actually pretty darn good. Yeah, there's actually, um, like, quality... And I mean, because a lot of these guys were hockey players. Hockey players. Right. That's and, the thing. Um, and I do have a point about that. So, if you... I mean, if anybody out there who's listening is a big NHL fan, there's one name in particular that really stuck out to me um, for kind of that list of extras, like, who was, who was in the cast. Bruce Boudreaux, who... Most people, if you're an NHL fan, would know as the most recent coach of the Vancouver Canucks before Rick Tockett. Um, he was on the Hyannis Sport President's Hockey Team, which was one of the reoccurring opponents in this in this uh, in this movie. They had the green jerseys, um, yeah. and I mean he he played in the NHL for a little bit, but. That's the type of guy. Like there, there aren't any star players. Like they didn't have a Wayne Gretzky or a, you know, any household name type hockey player. But they had guys that were drafted by NHL teams or played at the time in the World Hockey Association, the WHA, uh, which was like a, a rival league, much in the same way that the AFL was a rival to the NFL before the merger. Um, same sort of thing happened in hockey. The WHA merged uh, with the NHL, but some teams folded. <laughs> so wasn't as clean of a merger. But at any rate, there were lots of highly skilled guys who had careers in hockey that weren't actors. Um, really, the most the high the highest concentration of actors are guys who were on the Chiefs. Well, had- so there was a third Carlson who was going to be a Hanson brother. Yeah. Jack Carlson was going to be a third Hanson brother, and then Dave Hanson was going to play Dave Killer Carlson. So again, they just swapped names. That might have been why they did that. <laughs> um, Jack got called up by the Edmonton Oilers, so Dave just slid in, and then they hired uh, Jerry Hauser um, to play uh, Killer Carlson. So like they, 
that just kind of shows you there's probably a bunch of uh, not scrap heap guys but guys who are in our leagues and can still play and all you need is when you're doing a film like this you just need guys who can do the fundamentals that looks good on film and then you cut like that's all it is it's when we're when you guys save the puck cool cut and it works really well for this movie so the other guys that we have that i want to go through this um we have uh ned Braden. he's pretty much our our like closest to like supporting actor but next to paul michael Antkeen. um ned is basically the younger uh antagonist to reggie who is just like against the new model that they're going towards he wants to play hockey by the book uh and reggie wants to obviously lean more towards this uh entertaining fighting style you then have jerry hauser playing dave killer carlson uh who is the guy who just idolizes reggie He's just happy to be there on the team, and he wants to learn everything he can from Reggie. The Hanson brothers, Jeff, Steve, and Jack, as we've mentioned already, the goons. Uh, what the, what's the best way to describe a goon? Um, somebody who, <laughs> somebody who has a, the main objective in their mind of causing the most amount of frustration and pain for the opponent. Um, do you that think is... that? Do you think the most like modern day goon? In a sense, because goon has kind of gone away. Goon has been replaced by rat, I think, in the NHL. So um, who is like the most like modern day equivalent that you could think of, or like most recent? <laughs> I mean, I think like oh man, a lot of them are a lot of them are retired now. Right, as I was saying, because like I, or I goons like like uh, Steve Ott is a name that comes to mind. Um, Mike Commodore. Is, was a little bit of a goon, but it's like these are guys that you know you don't really hear about because there are players that I have seen play for the Wings over the years that you know honestly if they play the same style that the the Hanson brothers did, which is you know that's to a an extreme where they would just you know crush guys and didn't really you know produce much else. <laughs> I'd say. Um, I typically don't like that type of player. I'm more about how many points do you put up? I mean, the closest thing I can think of for Detroit sports, and this will pretty much only resonate with Detroit sports fans, is Darren McCarty. Yeah. Uh, But, again, scores the game-winning goal. Like, so, he still had skill. And, yeah, yeah, that style of play is definitely going away when we started to realize that, like, you know, health issues exist. But, like, it's actually a Chicago and Detroit example. Bob Probert is like the good. He is right. Like so, fan favorite players whose main objective is just fuck with the other team, and that's why other teams don't like them. But the fans love it because he's your guy, right? Tripping a guy, boarding them, like doing things that are illegal in the game. Yeah, and and were illegal at the time, but it's all about enforcement. Um, And those weren't really penalties that got called a lot. I, I and, and I've described the game to people who don't know what it's like to play in this way, where it's that feeling, the same kind of feeling that you get when you're driving along and then there's somebody who's aggressively cutting you off and then you get that, you know, feeling like of I I could, you know, I could run through a wall, like a you know, kind of that road rage type feeling. Um and that anonymity to feel like I can punch this guy in the face. Like that is, that is what comes 
up in these, you know, in the hockey player mindset when you're playing the game, where it's like it's a it's a it's a car crash every ten seconds, um, and you're cutting people off left and right, and it's that frustration. So, if anybody's ever wondering why why is somebody dropping the gloves on the ice, it's because of that sort of feeling. So, <laughs> long winded long winded way of saying that. I mean, we need it though. We need a little bit of an explanation on what that is. Yeah, I think it's one of those like unnamed. Uh, sports things where people just be like, I know what a goon is, but I don't know how to like actually put it to words. I think that is as yeah. poetic as you possibly could have said, guy who fights a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, other than that, we also have on the team uh, Den- uh, Denise Lemieux, Jean Gay, uh, or Jean Guy, um, wears both of them, and then uh, Mo, uh, who is just horny the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, the last one I, did, I mentioned earlier, Johnny, who was just the mustachioed one. But yeah, and then uh, to kind of go back, because I didn't talk about this, um, Nancy Dowd wrote the screenplay based upon her brother Ned Dowd's experience in minor league hockey in the 70s. So um, in the low minors, the biggest selling point was violence. Um, and so he just kind of told her all these stories. Um, and there are a lot of these things that actually happened where they talk about um, just these large out brawls. We'll talk about those when we get to them. A lot of the Hanson brothers. Um, and again, uh, Jeff, Steve, and Jack are the actors who are going to be the Hansons. And that's who the characters are based upon. Those are the guys he played with, the Carlson brothers. That's why they changed the Hanson. Um, and all of these players are people that Ned knew. And the names were shifted and changed. And... Uh, that's kind of how you get this almost true like story where Ned played with those three guys, played with Dave Killer Hansen, and uh, just to make the film easy, just swap the names. Sometimes when you're writing a script, that's all you need to do. It works. Also, what I love too here is that um, the the team that Ned played on was the Johnstown Jets, yeah. uh, and it was for sale. So they like again, Nancy. I appreciate her writing a script, but uh, the most like generic, like I feel like Mad Libs, where it's like not Johnstown, Charlestown. Charlestown. But it's funny. Uh, anyways, this movie starts off with the most seventies looking TV station set. We get Jim Carr, uh, and he is asking uh, Denise. Just about the penalties in hockey, and I—it's—it's it's the classic '70s gags that I miss nowadays, yeah. um, where it's like just you can't do this, and he like hits him with a stick, and he's like you can't do this, and he like drags him, and he's like if you if you do this, it's bad, and he he doesn't speak English uh, well, and so it's this that's the gag the whole movie, which I found out this movie has a huge following in Canada because of that, because there are jokes like in that aren't in um, English, they're in French. So, hmm. which I was That's, like, cool. Yeah. I mean, that point about the 70s gag the humor, I thought it was a scene straight out of, like, Airplane. Yeah. that It was very reminiscent of that, where we're going to show you the joke, and it, it's really effective. <laughs> yeah. It's really great. I, I love his line where he says, two minutes in the box by yourself, you feel shame, then you go free. <laughs> it's a great opening moment because... You need to understand, like, before this, they are, this team is so by the book. 
penalties are bad. You don't want to do this. Here's all the penalties. And then as the movie goes on, everything you see, they're going to do. Uh, and it's a, it's just a really quick, poignant moment. Uh, but we cut to the on ice introductions. There's barely anybody there. There's booing. Uh, and then we get uh, all the players coming out. Reggie Dunlop comes out. Um, and then <laughs> there's a bunch of fans. Every time a fa- person comes out, they heckle them. The best one is uh, Jean Guy comes out and the one person just goes, frog pussy. <laughs> just like, I don't even know what that is. And if you, I will tell you right now, if you don't like that word, I sincerely apologize, but I urge you not to watch this movie because that might be the most common used word in the film. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I think if, if if you're not a fan of, if you're not a fan of uh, a lot of words. Sexually based <laughs> slurs. Yeah, and uh, things that will really make you cringe. It just has a, this again, feels very of its time in a in a cool way though what i'll say is it feels of its time like with the way it looks all the sets the grime of the film like itself how it looks um the sport itself feels like a time capsule mm-hmm. uh, but it also comes with the negatives of that time as well where we are getting some really weird looking outfits and some horrible dialogue and moments of just lulls where there should be jokes but there aren't i they do got to write one yeah, they're like, oh, shit, there should be a joke there. Um, a very 70s style thing where they just like have the opening credits come on. I love it. It's right over the na- uh, the national anthem and flag, and yes. it's just no frills. And and that that is such an old-school hockey arena national anthem. With the organ? Like, yeah, and, and the flag that retracts. And there's some fan on the scoreboard that's blowing the flag. Yep. Yeah. But what I can tell you also dates these movies when they go out to center ice and no one is wearing – again, these guys just look like they came off of a shift at the mill. Um, the goalie is wearing basically nothing. It's like a catcher's mitt out there. And yeah, then Sam Rockwell, it looks like, comes up to center ice and is like, hey, Reggie, I'm drunk. I'm drunk. And I love Paul Newman's reaction. He goes, no. And he looks, he looks so concerned. Like, it's not like he's like being sarcastic. He's like, oh God, no. Yeah. That's a cool thing about this movie is that I think it does capture a little bit of that almost boys club nature of the sport that it has had for a very long time. And honestly, I'd say up until very recently had just been a regular part of the game of the game that a lot of people accepted is that you know this guy is going to be at center ice that you're playing against he's drunk you're not gonna you know it's kind of like this unwritten rule in a way it's like you're you're gonna look out for you know your fellow hockey player and not totally take advantage of them or that situation which then the team obviously completely shifts on later on but yeah it has a genuine feel of like, yeah, these guys are just playing hockey and this is what they're talking about on the ice and this is their life. And yeah, not bullshitting you. Just got shit face on the bus. What <laughs> line that I love. And then, yeah, anyone throws me against the boards, I'm going to piss all over myself. <laughs> um, which then we see later, uh, he gets just demolished into the boards and uh, then like wobbles off the ice, <laughs> um, which, yeah, he peed himself really good. But uh, the, the action here is great. The camera is right in the middle of it. And you get guys sliding right in front of the camera. There's blurry shots. We're watching players like slide right by. 
I love how this is all filmed. There's a moment where like the announcer's like, I don't even know what score it is because he says it's three zero, and then the uh, reporter task was like, Oh, it's actually two zero. We don't want to make it tougher for the Chiefs than it already is. I and and I think I mean with with that, especially with the the TV crew, I think they kind of set that stage of. You know, the people who are paid to give a shit about how the game is going and how the team's playing, they don't even know what the score is. Yeah, because they, uh, they couldn't be they couldn't bother. Then uh, our manager, Joe McGrath, who gets the players after the game to do a fashion show. And if you couldn't tell it was the 70s before, you oh fucking boy. can now. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of drinking the 70s out of a fire hose. Seriously, I mean, with the style, the <laughs> mall, the outfits. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, this is the one. This is like the one beat of the movie where I. This is kind of where I knew I was gonna be in for a little bit of a long ride. Yeah. Where the big comedic payoff is that he's like, I am going to flash. Yeah, he's he's so. And rightfully so. He's so disgusted at being a prop for the Which fair. Manager. Right. Um, and I guess this was kind of in the time before, you know, being a, a, a prop for a brand was at all glamorous or well paid, especially for a minor league team. And he's like, I'm going to just flash everybody out on the runway. And he does. We don't get to see it. You that, hear it. But you hear it. That's so just lame. <laughs> I think that's I, the best way to put my reaction. Right. It's it's it's, really. it's a lame path for a joke because the only funny part of that scene is when you see Johnny's like furious reaction. He's like, I'm gonna flash him. I'm gonna flash yeah. him. Like his anger is funny. But yeah. the payoff from actually doing is kinda like meh. But the way Joe like solemnly puts back the phone is the only bit but like it doesn't it doesn't the path isn't really worth yeah. it uh for the sex crime that is committed yeah, yeah. which again we talk about this 70s and 80s movies what they love more than anything else let me tell you sex we, lo- we love a good sex crime we yeah. just big yeah. comedy payoff it's a cheat code for laughs yeah you want to laugh sex crime yeah um we cut to an interview with Reggie and Ned, uh, which a fun note because apparently I, I looked this up and the reason why the line's in there is because it was so rare. Uh, when they talk about Ned, they're like, he's a college graduate and an American citizen because so many people in hockey were neither. Yeah. Um, and so it's like a joke that kind of doesn't mean anything now, but back then was like a, a big punchline. Um, but uh, they take some calls and uh, it's basically just you hear the fans don't care about the team. But we get some exposition afterwards because we need that. We need to know everything that's happening. So they tell us that uh, they're closing the mill and it's for real this time. And 10,000 workers are going to be out of work. And as somebody, and you, I mean, you and I both, both grew up in like the Rust Belt, this sort of thing, I mean, while it's not to the same level of here's a, you know, a town that we live in there where everybody works at the mill, but it is kind of that economic dread of oh shit i mean it's it's everywhere i mean so we're from michigan auto plants were big you have people where there are mills you have mines you have uh steel working iron plants like when it's those kind of things where and this is the same thing with the hockey team and that's it's a relatable story where it's like yeah 
I'm losing my job. I know it's over. I don't know what to do. And even that someone that mentions it to him, like Joe talks to Reggie um, a little bit later. And it's literally the next scene where Reggie's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And then Joe's like, dude, I've been trying to train you to be a front office guy. Yeah. Um, but they, but Reggie's whole point is like, what about the guys on the team? Like these yeah. guys got nothing. And uh, we do have a really funny moment that we missed over where uh, Lily is just like flying over these roads literally and figuratively. In, in the Ford van. Yeah. Just slamming the suspension down on the concrete. Yeah. And Ned is a little too into his dog, which I don't know if that's meant to be something. I think that's that's a that's a non that's like a joke non joke. But it comes up later where he says, I, "I'm not gonna say anything." But she's like, "Yeah, he sleeps with the dog every day before the game, and like, and he feels better." And then he like mentions, "Like, yeah, I'm a pervert. I'm a weird guy." Like, I again, sex crimes. That's it's what I'm not, saying. Yeah, like in this movie, people, in this movie, I wouldn't put it past him to be like they're alluding to something deeper than him just being like, "I love my dog." She's like, "You take the house, I take the dog." Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I guess the point. I mean, if you wanted to have like a, a theme, I don't want it to. <laughs> no, I, I am not saying I do either. But I think that they try to make a point with the comedic notes in this movie to take them to that extreme. Right. This movie's and, all about extremes. And you know, knowing what we know about the seventies, again, just throw a sex crime in there, and that's the joke. Right. Um, you have to have the most extreme version in there somewhere. So. And, and that's why I was like, I'm, I watched that. Going to that movie, I'm like, are they saying something? I kind of felt like they were. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one. But uh, Joe, again, basically tells him, like, I trained you to be an office guy. Come on. Uh, but he's like, go pick up the new recruits. And we are getting those recruits. We cut to the Hanson brothers who are just kicking the living shit <laughs> out of a Coke machine. And he's like, who took my quarter? <laughs> and the, so the funny thing is, is they, they, the Hanson brothers, they're Canadian in the, in this movie. They're, they're meant to be Canadian boys, but all three of them are American. Yeah. In real life. Um, Two of which, well, actually, one of them was drafted by the Wings. The other played for the Wings. Side note, but these are American-born players, but the caricature is these guys are your classic hockey players. The long hair, the... It's just like that type of build. I mean, they live, lengthy. breathe, eat hockey. It's yeah. all they care about. They it's don't like, care about where they're sleeping. They want to sleep in the same room. They want to play games, but all they want to do is play hockey. And that's even later. They say like, "Just as we need to get on the ice, coach." Like that's all they care about. Is they are just your hockey. Put your nose to the grindstone. I want to play hockey, and that's all they care about. Um, and like he's even trying to tell them like, "Here's the information." They're like, "What's our soda pop?" I don't want a fucking grape soda this time. And they're doing that, like, stereotypical, like, accent. Like, that's all it is. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess, to be fair, these guys, so they're Americans, but they're from Minnesota. Um, yeah, that's the most Canadian you can get without being Canadian. Um, of course, to an extreme, I guess. I mean, they they really play it up, but that's what you would expect. The whole point of the Hanson brothers is to be played up as much as possible. We go back to a bar. This movie again, it just it, it takes too long to get back to the hockey. 
Ned and Lily are getting in a huge fight. Again, That's Lily is Ned's wife who wants to leave. Ned wants to stay. He's like, I'll get a job. Who cares? I'll keep playing hockey, whatever. Uh, then fans are coming to complain right to Reggie's face. And we're getting F slurs, R slurs. We're talking about dick sizes being animals. Like, yeah. And uh, the moment where Reggie's like, I bet you that uh, that girl in the red dress won't go home with me. And uh, we find out it's his ex-wife. This is just the whole, if we're going to talk about the hockey team and their ups and downs, the main plot of this movie is Reggie trying to get back with his ex, but she never, like, there's never even, like, a teased moment. That's, that's the thing where I think that they wanted to write that in there, like, keep it in the script somehow, but they just were like, we don't have enough time. This movie's already two, almost two, well, bordering on like Christopher Nolan type length like I mean not two and a half not two and a half three hours but for a comedy movie two hours that's like this better be you know some some gut buster and I think that they probably were like you know what fuck it yeah (laughs) onto the hockey and they edited their way out of whatever because i would imagine they had to have filmed something with them you know making up or getting back together or whatever i mean right i don't mind that they don't get back together i just think it's weird that he says the same thing over and over again and maybe that's maybe that's the point is that you know he's never gonna change and he'll he'll, he'll speak his way out of anything which is again what he does throughout this film is he tries to go about the right thing but he always goes about it the wrong way like i mentioned so he's always trying to get back with him. he's like hey i'll send you money oh when i'm done coaching uh you know we're gonna do this and she basically like save your money because it's never gonna change and so she's always there to kind of be like whatever you're doing is not gonna work um and they're friendly it's just kind of giving him hope but uh there's a lot of times where it's just the same old song and dance. I don't mind that there isn't a moment of them like having some sort of like connection again. It's always just Reggie fucking it up, which shows you again that he just stumbles into the correct answer sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's a weird through line through the movie. It's basically the second part of the movie. We then just go to the bus. Um, Ned again is a piece of shit to Lily. She's like, hey, I got you this book. I underline all the fuck scenes. And he says like, get out of here. <laughs> Reggie's like, what gives? She's a great girl. She's kind. She's kind. She underlines the fuck scenes. <laughs> they teach you to underline those in college. And then uh, a great response where Reggie says, not the fuck scenes they don't. Yeah. I, I mean. Again. Because. Yeah. Him being like, like, stay with your wife. Stop being rude to her. But yeah. his whole mindset's like, hey, she's underlining the fuck scenes for you, dude. Yeah. I mean. And again, that's that's another that's another prime example of something that was like I mean it's it's meant to show a conflict in that relationship, but also trying to be funny at the same time. But it's a it's like a joke that isn't a joke. Again, it just truly shows how she's just trying to do anything to keep him, and he regardless couldn't give two shits about her so one little thing we find out later he's a pervert he's that's what he's his words uh and so it's her trying to connect with him on a way that he probably can understand and he doesn't want to do anything and so that's why reggie's like what the hell she's a cute girl she's a good girl 
She follows you around, and you can even give her the time of day. But uh, the weirdness doesn't even stop there because the Hanson Brothers board, as well as Joe, the manager, um, and they have their bus ride to their next stop. We hear our first running uh, like bit where they have no idea who owns the team. Nobody knows who owns this team. It's the Shadow Corporation. Yeah, the Shadow I. Corporation. Lady who is a widow because her <laughs> yeah. husband died and gave her the team. Yeah, right. Right. But but that's again, it's all this hearsay. These guys don't care. All they want to do is play hockey. Um, we hear at the next game that uh, the worst goon in hockey is there, Oglethorpe. Uh, just kidding. He's suspended, so he's not going to be there. But Oglethorpe is an overlying person who, uh, if he ever shows up, he'll kill you because apparently he went to jail. He's not allowed back in Canada anymore. Um, yeah, Oglethorpe is the devil. Um, That's the standard for doing wrong in this movie is if you're not allowed to go back to Canada. Seriously, yeah. Um, <laughs> we uh, we see uh, the Hanson brothers putting foil under their gloves, which uh, I guess meant to hurt more. I mean, maybe? I, that, that was really confusing to me because uh, I've never once seen that. Or, I mean, not not that I ever was really in a league where, you know, any fighting would necessarily be tolerated like that. But, I mean, that made no sense. It, maybe just cut some more? Fight. I don't know. Like, it's like, maybe it's meant to protect them for, from, like, so their skin doesn't break on their knuckles? I'm going to look it up. So, uh, it would just do a little more damage, apparently, and cut them up a little bit. Um, because you wouldn't put it on properly. That's the only thing I see from it. Um, I was going to be like, if you're going to do that, just have a roll of quarters in your hand. Like, that's the old-fashioned one where it's like, you're going to fucking knock teeth out if you have quarters in your hand. But, yeah, they wrap foil on their hands. But it just goes to show, again, that, like, these guys, all they want to do is fight. They don't care about playing fair. And Reggie sees it kind of like, what are we doing here? But I do love the exposition where, like, the oh, they overhear the uh, manager being like, "I'm on this trip to meet with someone else so I can try to get a job." Yeah, yeah, and I feel like that that as far as professional sports goes, I think there's kind of rumors about you know, okay, there's this manager or a player who they're on you know a, a lowly organization who's going nowhere. And they're trying to get the hell out. And, I mean, same thing tr- is true now, almost 50 years later. We're so, seeing with the Oakland Athletics right now. Yeah. I mean, it's happened a lot. I mean, we've had a lot of teams where they've just died out. You have the Montreal Expos. You have the, uh, the Seattle Supersonics. You have now the Oakland Athletics, the St. Louis Rams, uh, the San Diego uh, Chargers. The There's just a bunch that just like, we got to move. Sorry, no hope. Regardless of what you do, we're moving. Um, it's happened a lot over the past couple of years, and uh, it's going to keep on happening now that uh, all that matters is the almighty dollar, which is a shame. Yeah. But it's, again, one, it, it relates back just to losing your job um, at the end of the day, whether it be a sporting team or the mill or whatever. Everyone can relate to being like, well, either way, I'm out of a gig, and uh, yeah. there's not really much we can do. Reggie starts to give a motivational speech, and the Hansons are just repeating the most cliche hockey saying. I love when they are doing anything. 
Yeah. Yeah, when they're like, yeah, we just got to get out there and get on the ice and we're good. And he's like, yeah, and then uh, we'll do this. And they're like, yeah, well, we just got to get together and team up. And uh, and all again, they're just three boys who want to get on the ice. Yeah. The uh, the traditional, the good old Canadian boys, that's, that's their role. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ned tells them uh, when they're on the ice that the, what the conversation was. Reggie runs off and is like, hey, this is my last season. And uh, they all like are in, uh, I think, Reggie's room in the hotel. Um, they're just gambling. I do. I genuinely do love the team moments together. You can tell this team is a true team. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides Ned. He's the outsider. Uh, and the Hansons for a while. Because the Hansons are in their own room and they're playing with cars on a track um, that they brought from home. And all they want to do is get on the ice. Um, but uh, like they're gambling on what the TV is going to say. And uh, I do like that a couple times. Whatever Ned bets, Reggie bets the opposite. Yeah. And Ned wins, which is, I think, a funny little runner. But, uh, yeah, it's – their team chemistry is great. We'll talk about this a little bit later in the film. But uh, then we just get a random moment. Again, we're in the 70s. we got to show boobs. We have to show it's boobs. Mandatory. It's it's like one – at least once per, per hour of runtime you have. Yeah. And this is where the movie begins to flip-flop between being pro-LGBTQ and anti-LGBTQ. Because this conversation, I actually liked. (laughs) Yeah. He's basically like, yeah, you can, you know, you can fuck whoever you want. Yeah, he's like, do whatever you want to do. He's like, who knows? I might even sleep with some old hockey goalies. I don't know. He's like, do whatever you want to do. Live your life. I don't care. And it's kind of like, huh. But then... Again, how he goes about things the wrong way. She, like, pep talks him. And she's like, hey, maybe you can do something else when the team closes next year. Like, you have a life to live. And so it's a cute, like, supporting moment between a woman who's cheating on her husband and him. Um, And then the next day, he is playing against the husband and is basically like, uh, your wife's wife's lesbian the whole fucking time. And that... Yes, and that's the insult. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can see where he's like, I got to dig into this guy because, like, his wife left him. And, like, that's always – if you're trying to get in this guy's head. But he goes above – again, him going the wrong way to get – to end up with the right means. Like, they win. At the end of the day, they win. Um, I mean, the, the one thing that I did think, though, is, like, maybe – because I think the point that he was – I guess making by doing what he did was clearly, um, oh, what's his name? He was the goalie, but Hanrahan. Hanrahan. Clearly, he has a fragile ego, and you know Reggie, he doesn't have a fragile ego. He he seems to not really care about what people think of him, or you know thinks other people shouldn't think, you know, much about what other people think of them. So, you know. He's trying to maybe get under somebody's skin the way that he knows how, and you know that th- that was that was something to me where I'm like, okay, you know, even though even though it's crass and you know not necessarily a good way to do it, at least it seems to be somewhat calculated. Yeah, right? and and you know. To serve that one purpose of having, um, having, 
you know, his way with the opponent. And that's the, I think that's a great way to phrase it. Um, Reggie's calculated everything he does. Like, I mean, before this, he tells the reporter, be like, hey, I heard something where we might be selling the team to Florida. Because uh, a bunch of retired, and he has like a whole plan. A bunch of retirees moved down there. They missed the sport. There's a hockey rink down there. And uh, yeah, uh, the reporter's like, change, right? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, the reporter says, why would you want to buy a fifth place team? And that's where Reggie's like, we're going to change that. That's how he uh, gets team riled up and ready to go. Um, and and then next in the next uh, game as well, after Hanrahan just beats the living shit out of Reggie, you can see Reggie looking at the fans how excited they are when the fight happens, and like you kind of get that like light bulb moment. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, Reggie is the cult hero because he's like, "We won. Win's a win." And Ned is literally like, "Hey man, that was a garbage ass win. They didn't have a backup goalie." We didn't win fairly. He goes to basically backlot USA. Again, this is just a movie studio backlot. Um, Reggie chases down Lily, and uh, you're seeing that Ned's like flirting around with somebody. And uh, Reggie drinks with her, and then it's basically like, uh, hey, let's go have sex. I guess to prove a point that like she still loves her husband. Yeah. She needs to make that decision. I guess so. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I knew. Um, this is the part of the movie where it's like, okay, come on, you know, it's like, let's just, let's just move this thing along. Right. Let's, let's get to the point where, okay, let's start fighting. Let's start, you know, um, and that's a runner as well. There was a funny line though, where, uh, (laughs) she says, what story with that dog? Cause there's a dog statue. And he's like, Oh, it saved Charleston from a, a a flood. She goes, fuck him. (laughs) Which I and then it just cuts. Um, nice. They uh, the team again. They're watching. They're at a bar. There's just a bunch of uh, moments. I love when they're watching the soap opera together and they're all confused. And, like they're telling each other what the story's happening. They're like, "Fucking, she did that on purpose. She's doing this. She's crazy." Um, I think it's hilarious. I think though, isn't the soap opera talking about how like the dude did he like sell off something to the woman? I'm trying to think of if this relates to the uh, the widow getting this team. I I think so. I think it does. It does allude to. It's kind of that foreshadowing. That's what I was kind of saying. Yeah. Like, is it that kind of level of yes. like? Okay. It, and, I mean, it would. I think it would be more effective at at that point in the movie if we had if we had met that character. Right, but to have and that be the last person we meet, yeah. And like what she represented, but we had at least met her. We didn't even know she existed. We still think, you know, that nobody really owns the team or it's part of some estate and, you know, whatever. So it's kind of a a missed, I'd say a missed opportunity to foreshadow a little bit more. Yeah. Well, they have the newspaper that Reggie uh, talked to uh, the writer about. And uh, the team gets excited. They love that they're going to Florida. There is a, a weird guy who's like, cut off my balls. I'd be skating in Florida. And you're like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> That's a bit extreme. It's just warm. That's also, cool. <laughs> that, I don't think that was a player. I think it's just a fan. <laughs> but then we go to our next game. And uh, Reggie, again, tries to start shit. That's his new thing. Because to Barkley, he's like, hey, man, you got dropped in hockey news. Barkley shit talks Reggie again. He's like, you should fucking retire, old man. And then 
that gets uh, Dave pissed off. Dave's like, fuck you for talking shit about Reggie. And he just jumps uh, Barkley. The Hansons love it. Uh, we get this big fight. We then cut to seeing Dave, and this was kind of gross. He's getting his, like, lips sewn back together. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, I think, like, nowadays, if players are getting stitched up, it's it's back in the, in the locker room, you know, in a medical facility of some sort that's set up, you know, in the, in the locker rooms. But I think there is some truth to that where, like, back in the day – especially like these old barns of arenas, like they would just sew you right back up on the bench. And yeah. And uh, well, like, like Dave here, sometimes he just didn't give a shit. Cause uh, he's still defending Reggie. Re- uh, the dude comes back and starts talking more shit. And Dave just jumps over and starts fighting him again. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's kind of that, that, uh, you know, that's where the stereotype of like, hockey players are madmen. Like, they're just going to, you know, no matter what happens to their body, they're just going to throw themselves at, you know, others just to, like, stand up for their guy. That's, like, the un- another one of the unwritten rules of hockey is, like, somebody gets hit on your team, you're going to, you know, you're going to make the other team pay for it. I mean, kind of in that same vein, earlier we see one of the players just take out his fake teeth and he's still like, he's missing all of his teeth. He takes him out. He's just ready to play. Like, that is the style of just like, we're going to do everything for this game. We're going to bleed. We're going to have cuts. We're going to have scars. We're going to lose teeth. Who gives a shit? It's all for the sport. Um, and uh, speaking of going back to the locker room, he's getting sewn up again. Um, and uh, Reggie's like firing up the team. Says Dave's hit the team, but uh, he's out. So the Hansons, y'all are in, which makes me laugh because like one guy's out, three guys are in. Yeah, that's another that's another subtle like just kind of just pave over the actual you know details of how a roster works and how you know lines work in hockey. Because if you try and explain that to an audience that doesn't know, you're gonna lose them. You know, um, I but this moment I'm gonna tell you right now. I don't care because this is the best part of the whole fucking movie. <laughs> they come in like a pack of wolves and they just destroy yeah. this team. I mean, we're getting it all. They are just running by, punching people, triple teaming dudes in the wall. They're knocking down the ref. They're slashing people. They're, I, I love the one where he comes up and he just like takes the stick and just like flips the goalie. Yeah, and it, it's, it's funny because like – so far, these guys that you know, the Hanson brothers just kind of goofy as characters. They don't really come off as like menacing guys, other than when they completely destroy the Coca Cola machine at the train station. <laughs> yeah, they took my quarter. Are, right, took my fucking quarter. Like it's they're basically innocent until they hit the ice, and that is that is another. I'd almost say like hockey player stereotype, where it's like there are these kind of teddy bear type guys and then as soon as they start playing like they are these monsters and that's that's just kind of the 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 thing that i'd say has become the prominent image of a hockey player and a hockey guy right yeah um but the 
amount of penalties <laughs> that they should have had. Insane. I mean, I mean, they, they get pulled the from the game and they get possibly <laughs> arrested. Uh, yeah. Possibly they get arrested later. Um, Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, again, who cares? This is the best part of the movie. They're just owning up to how they want to fight. And again, this is the this is the nature of the seventies minor level hockey. It was, it was just violence was the key. So they're ta- one of them takes a stick and smacks the entire bench, like just skates by and just and hits all of them in the face. The best moment to me though is one of them gets the puck, lines up a slap shot, and there's your title of the film and then just smacks it up and hits the organ player yeah yeah no nobody is safe nobody's, nobody's safe. safe they are crushing as we see later nobody is safe um but i love the announcers like that's jeff no that's that jack steve steve is hitting with our nuts jack again that's jeff okay i'm sorry like they don't even know um they all get tossed when there's a literal brawl reggie scream at the refs um, but the Hansons leave and, uh, now you can see the light bulb go off from Reggie's head where it's like, this is the game. The fans are freaking out there in the best way. They're chanting, they're applauding. Uh, but then again, another weird beat after that, we go back to Reggie trying to find out who the fuck owns the team. Yeah. And at that point, so who does he ask? He asked like, the Frenchman. The Frenchman goes up and goes, did you, how did you ask him if they own the team? And he's like, Joe doesn't even know who owns the team. He's just lying. Um, and then there's the moment of like ice dancing. More weird comments about women. More, yeah, they have a dinner. It doesn't really go anywhere because all it is is just like, uh, they're at a fan event. The, uh, he sees Francine with a guy. He runs out to try to find her. That gets dropped. Um, like, have that all go away and just have it be the next, like, have them driving home and then the bus driving by be like, oh my god, we love you guys. Have them show that, like, this weird beat just doesn't make much sense here. Yeah, I, and I think that maybe it's just editing as, as a part of it where I think that they really kind of got lost. I, I almost, when I was watching the movie just in general, I was like, this is kind of a movie, a movie without a plot. Yeah, it, it really doesn't have. Them. I mean, it's a, it's just it's just a typical sports movie. It's like we got to get down the right. season, we got to win, and we had to make sure we show them that we can win. It's it's semi pro, it's major league, it's the bad news bears. It's just we want to get to the end of the season, we want to win. But uh, the yeah, there's a bus that drives by on the wrong side of the road to drive next to them and cheer, which is like it's and crazy. And later they do it at night, which is strange. But um. The, they're at the hotel. Reggie's on the phone trying to find out who's with his ex, uh, which, again, I don't know. But then in the background, there's a fucking conga line, which, weird. Uh, but the best part is the Hansons get mad that they can't sleep in the same room. So they pick up the manager and just, like, shove him in a fucking potted plant? Yeah. It just, just random. Just, yeah. It doesn't even... It doesn't even makes sense no but it's just building up to the next scene because the hansons brawl this is the other brawl before and this again based on a story a true story a lot of the hansons stuff was true stories uh during the pregame warm-ups um it was the johnstown jets and the buffalo norsemen it was actually defending a uh an african-american player on the jets because the buffalo team was saying derogatory things and uh 
the Jets attack the shit and beat the shit out of them. Well, I mean, I guess deservedly so, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, and I think, I think that if they had tried to, you know, replicate one for one it, within this, I mean, it just wouldn't make sense. It would have been a little too much for what the movie was trying. It it, would have been an added plot (laughs) layer that, like, would it have been important? Sure. But this movie's not going to be saying that kind of social commentary. They're they're already trying and failing about um, LGBTQ things. I don't Um, want them touching uh, racial. Which, here's another point. I don't know if you saw this as later. There's a dude in a fucking Nazi uniform. Yes. Oh, my God. What is that guy about? (laughs) I was like, holy shit. Yeah, what? we'll get to him. Like, but like, yeah, so this movie's not saying anything about that kind of stuff. But yeah. uh, so, but there's the brawl, um, and uh, the before the the game, they're kicking the shit out of each other. And this is my favorite part of the movie. But, uh, yeah, probably more than the last part when the ref yes, is like watching nice. the Hansons. <laughs> and you want to say the line? Yeah. So, so they're lined up because because the fight happens during the warm-ups and as you know they're doing like the the half circles one of the handsome brothers just clotheslines uh the one of the players on the other team and then you know there's a huge brawl and then it cuts just a cold cut to them standing on the blue line listening to the anthem which is hilarious and they're all and, bloody, and their glasses yeah. are broken. <laughs> they look like a bit like they literally just got into a fucking knockout, yeah. dragout brawl. And it's 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 like middle of the it's like a middle of the anthem too. So they've been standing there for a while, and the the head referee, you know, he skates over to um, well, I can't I can't remember which one of the Hansons it is, and he he's basically like, you better you know you better cut the shit like this is you know this is gonna be a good game like. <laughs> the best line in the whole movie. I'm listening to the fucking song. <laughs> it's so funny because the hand, they're just no selling the the song. Like they're no selling the that the refs like you better watch your fucking back. Yeah, uh, like that's that, all they care about. Yeah, that that is um, like, and that's the the clip that I've seen the most of this movie. And, and before I'd even seen it, I had seen that. Yeah, um, it's just it's pure gold. That is genuinely, I think, one of the funniest things in any movie I've seen. It's so fun. Uh, it's a perfect little beat. That's a great joke. Yeah. Um, anything with the Hansons, I mean, them fighting, those moments are just gold. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, we'll get to the next scene right here because um, the boosters, like, come by. Um, Ned says, like, I'm not going to goon it up for you. It's the first time you hear the word goon. And Reggie's like, if you don't play the way we want to play and fight, we're going to bench you. Because um, he's the coach. Yeah. Um, they drive into the next town. The other the, – their fans are like cheering. They get on the bus with them. Basically, one of the, there's a random line where a woman's like, my husband's going to be so mad at me. Um, and uh, then they drive by the other team's fans who are like booing them with signs and they're all mooning them out the window. Yes. Great yep. moment. That's a great classic moment. Uh, that simple. is uh, uh, in a time before cell phones, you can get away with that. <laughs> yes, you could. Butts are hilarious. Butts are hilarious. Uh, then another true story. Um, so one the of butts. the Hanson brothers scores a goal, and uh, a dude in the crowd throws his keys, hits him in the face, and then the Hansons go into the crowd <laughs> and start fight Ron Artest style yes. fighting fans. Um, so but this then, happened in the NHL too. 
this like, but this happened with these guys so, so they were the, they were reenacting this is this is a documentary on their lives right um so yeah jeff carlson was hit with a cup uh went in the stands and they all got arrested um but uh yeah he gets he gets hit in the face with keys and this moment is also so funny so the hands is going the crowd and he doesn't have his glasses because they broke and he's just grabbing guys going, is this the guy? And they're going, yeah. And then he just punches him. And he goes, no, it's not that guy. It's that guy. And he goes up and the guy's like, no, no, no. Punch him. He's like, that wasn't the guy. It was the guy over there. And it's just him just going through the crowd, punching him. And then my, one of my favorite lines in the movie is the announcer going, the fans are standing up to them. The security guards are standing up to them. The peanut vendors are standing up to them. And God damn it, if I was down there, I'd stand up to them. It's so fucking funny, uh, and then all the fan they all get in a tiffy and they're all fighting. But I, yeah, so this happened in the NHL. Yeah, it was. I think it was the Bruins and the Rangers in the. I think it was late seventies or early eighties. There was a very similar uh, instance where the Bruins players jumped up into. I think it yeah it would have been Madison Square Garden jumped up into the stands and just started beating the shit out of people um and like cops were trying to pull them off and i mean basically that scene in real life i mean and that's just that's just crazy obviously um and yeah so interestingly enough one of the like most unbelievable parts of the film are not rare occurrences i guess at least back in the day yeah, uh, I'm. I'm gonna just say that took place after this, and uh, they took inspiration from this movie. So I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, but uh, the we then immediately smash cut to the police at the locker room, and they just keep knocking on the door, and they go Hansons, and then uh, Reggie grabs one of them. And he's like, "Look at this guy. He got this is the guy. He got by keys. That's a scratch from nails." Uh, and then they get arrested. But then every, the Hansons, again, you can see, they just don't give a shit. They're like, don't eat the watermelon spears. Those are mine. And he's like, if you get a phone call, call the pizza man. Like, again, there's kids. <laughs> um, Joe then shows up and he's too cheap to make bills. He's like, these kids don't deserve this. They're so kind. This, that, this. You're judging them poorly. And it's uh, and then Ned pays the fee. Um, but then Reggie also brings up that... Uh, He's got a, ha- a wife that's not happy at home. It's just like another like dig in the knife moment for uh, uh, Reggie. But then this. Oh, well, first off, then one of the Hansons goes to the chief and goes, thanks, chief. Good good time tonight. And like tries to shake the chief's hand. Um, but then this is where that random fucking Nazi is. Yeah. He was like part of the fan club. Right. But why is and- he up in like he is next to the door and it's not us. If you haven't seen this movie. It's not us just saying, "Oh, this guy like not." No, he is a he has a hat on with literally a, a stormtrooper helmet. Uh, yeah, the, the little hat with the SS on the side, and then a, a swastika on the front. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what this could have been. I don't know what the joke is here, uh, but it missed. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think I, I think that. Uh, Nazis have never been funny um, in any context. So the only yeah. okay, the only times I can say like that the they Blues have Bruce. been in the Blues Brothers when 
the Nazi group is chasing after the Blues Brothers, and they and they literally get their shit kicked out of them, and then they get they drop from the sky. So unless it ends in them getting just slam dunked, it's not cool. Or <laughs> Mel Brooks riffing on them. I'll just say anything Mel Brooks does with that. Yeah, like, like so springtime for Hitler. Yeah. That is yeah. home run. Yeah. Yeah, but like him just being there, I did not understand. Yeah. I- I think it's just like they were trying to play up the maybe randomness of the fans and the you know how. But we don't. Yeah, we don't get any other one. There's no context. Like no. it just doesn't make sense. We don't see like a biker gang. We don't see like like punks. We just get a dude like just one dude a Nazi at. Yeah, they're just like observe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll just go past that. Uh. We're, all the wives are in a car. Lily's drunk in the back seat. They're all telling uh, her, like, uh, "Oh, you know, my son's uh, not my son. My my husband's sad. I miss him. This I don't know what to do. My life's strange." This is where we get Elton John playing, and it's them basically being like, "Hey, this is a sad moment." Yeah. So be sad. Here's a sad song. Yeah, because um, Ned hops out like a mile away. All the couples come home. They hug their significant other, except for hers. Reggie comes out. She gets in her van. He hops in her van and is then like, let's go to bed. He then tries to make it better because he's like, you sound like my wife. She left me. She had a great time. She's better than me. And uh, you remind me a lot of her. And uh, uh, it's it's sorry seems to be the hardest word. That yeah. is that's the Ellen John. And it is. Again, it's, they picked the moment where it's like, <laughs> who's sorry? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a really sad moment here, though, where, like, she starts weeping. It's like, please leave. And he leaves. And uh, then there's a, a strange cut where he walks into his house and we cut to him walking into a diner. Yeah. It, just odd. Just kind of odd at this point in the movie. It's I like, had to take a second to be like. What just happened? Yeah, like, did he just walk into a diner? It's like, no, like, it's like he walks in and they cut to him walking the diner. Yeah, it's. And I think we've we've said it a couple of times. Just like is when when hockey is not happening in this movie, it doesn't really seem to know what it wants to be. Now this it's one like, and this moment is a, is a prime of it. This moment, all it's meant to do is have him see his ex wife and try to win her back. Um, and then she says she's moving to Long Island. They need to officially get divorced. There's a moment where he goes to Joe's office. And, like, the whole point of this is, like, he basically blackmails Joe into getting the owner's name because he says, hey, that one time you dressed in drag, I don't care, though. Yeah, this is another example of, you know, like, you're very progressive, but then now you're going to be, like, just use, like. (laughs) Like, he is, he is, what he's saying is very progressive. He's like, look, I walked in that one time. You were wearing women's clothing. You were wearing a bra and some negligee. He's like, I don't care. Do what you want to do. I don't care what people do. Wear whatever the fuck you want. But then he uses that information to get information, which is where, again, he does everything the wrong way. Yeah. And and also, I mean, I just think that this plot line is so unbelievable because – It's so unbelievably long. Well, yeah, that. But then, I mean, also, like – how do they? How do they not? 
like acknowledge like okay who's paying the players who's doing this like it's not even believable you can't like suspend disbelief to think that they don't actually like know i mean (laughs) you know what i mean it's just that's the part that was so dumb it's like why could we not have just known the owner the entire time or didn't i guess we'll skip forward to that real quick because there's a moment where and this is what's crazy and i genuinely mean like out of the blue Reggie just shows up to a random person's house and it's the owner. Yeah. Like, not yeah. even him being like, oh, I got a lead. It's this woman. He shows up and he's like, hi. And she says, hi, Anna of Cambridge. She, he helps him with her groceries and she's like, he's like, who are you? He's like, is your husband? She says, no, I'm the owner of the team. My husband died. That's it. Yeah. And that, that's almost like it's that trope of like the character meets their parent. Or but, they're, like, but like, long lost. Like, and it's like, <gasps> wait, what? But no, in this context, it's the owner we've been talking so much about. But there should be a moment where, like, when Joe says that, and he's like, what's the owner's name? He should be like, all I know is McCambridge. That's, that's, yeah. that's all he needs to say. At that right. moment, we never hear McCambridge. Yeah. So it's just a weird... Yeah, so, and then during that scene, I, we'll skip forward to that real quick, because... She has a great purple suit. And he's wearing this amazing all brown leather suit the whole movie. Bell bottom, all brown leather. It's awesome. I don't even care. That style, he rocks it. Yeah. Paul Newman, for having weird ass teeth this movie, he's a good looking dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, I feel like he, anything that he puts on, he makes it work. It's like, he you know what? Built for the 70s. I was going to say, he 80s. is he's 70s attractive. Where yeah. 70s attractive was like, no, you didn't be muscular. You just had to have like casual definition and confidence. And apparently a lot of hair. Chest hair was key. Yeah. But that's him. Um, but he brings up the sale to her. And he's like, hey, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And she plays dumb. She's like, oh, you think you're going to like Florida? And then she goes, you did a really good job. I'm going to, she's like, I'm going to. I'm going to fold the team because the numbers play out to where this would be a great tax write-off because of my losses. And uh, Reggie does what I think anybody would do and insults the ever-living shit out of her. <laughs> he, d- he does say one really poignant line where he's like, we're human beings, you know. Like, yeah. to her, it's just money. But he's like, we're a team. We've worked so hard. We've shown you that we can win. And still, what you're telling me is that I'm not worth that. Right. Right. You'd rather close everything than have me even try. It's such a gut punch at the end because it could have been a happy ending. It could have been her being like, you're right. You've turned it around and now I can sell it for a profit. But she goes, I see that. I don't care because the money's going to end up being the same either way and it's not really worth it to me. Yeah. And and that, I mean, that's one of the parts of this movie that I think has really stood the test of time and it's not even it's not even the part that you would necessarily remember about it. I think no. most people don't think about the plot of this movie. It's more about, you know, the Hansons and if you like Paul Newman. But that's Paul what I'm Newman's saying. Like, this, is a, it's, this movie is a good movie. It just could be better if they trim some stuff. Yeah. Also, I think, too, like, maybe if it had been made ten years later, yeah, it probably would have been more exciting to watch, too. Just, like, the the 
way that things would have been filmed, I think, would have been more dramatic because but, I mean, think the difference between 1977 and 1987. But I think there's a, there's a level of authenticity in that. I like yeah. how this feels so 70s in a good way and a bad way. I think if it was made to be – because, again, the one I think of is Major League where it's meant to be like over the top, a little bit goofy with it. Like this one, I feel like at the end of it all, it just has a level of authenticity in there. That I yeah. can't put my finger on. I mean, in to, in that in that regard, it's anti Mighty Ducks. Yeah, which I love. I I like the fact that it is. This is a hockey movie for adults. Um, yeah. Going back real quick, we we skipped over. Lily leaves uh, Ned. She's at Reggie's house. Reggie interviews someone, or he gets interviewed by the uh, by the announcer. Yeah. Um, and is like, "Hey, I'm putting a bounty on the best player's head. A hundred bucks of my own money," and uh. And Joe's like, you can't fucking put yeah. your own money on people. It's That's Jim, by the way. It's Jim. That's a crime. He hangs yeah. up. Um, First crime they care about in this movie. Only one they care about. Oh, except for the fact that the Hansons all got arrested for assault. Um, yeah, but did they care? No, they didn't. <laughs> Reggie goes to the game and like tries to amp up the crowd by like paying for an ambulance to be there. And so he's now really owning into the fact that they're basically all goons. Um, and uh, par- McCracken's paranoid the whole game. Ned's a pacifist. Uh, McCracken like kicks shit out of him. Him, Ned and Reggie get in a scream match because he's like, they want blood. They don't care about goals. All they want is fighting. And then Ned's basically, and that's the kind of the irony of like, they don't care about the game. And this is what a lot of people say about hockey. Like, they're there for the fights. All oh, the fights are the most fun part. Blah blah. blah. Like that's what this movie's saying. It's like all they care about is the punches. All yeah. they want is the violence. And uh, Ned finally punches Reggie. Uh, after he like brings up Lily and Reggie gets into it and uh killer jumps over the uh it's his new name now um he get, jumps over the uh thing starts beating up uh, McCracken gets that bounty Ned goes upstairs though and uh goes off in the booth he like holds down the microphone so he, he won't shut off and he's like I I'm perverse and I have uh, father problems and my wife uh isn't here and I I left my wife and I can't commit and this that and uh, they get a screen match, him and Jim, who is the announcer. And uh, Joe goes up there, and uh, Ned punches him out of the room in a fun shot where he goes through the hallway, down the stairs. And, uh, yeah, that's where we then jump to the owner. We finally meet her. But then uh, we we then go to, later, uh, Reggie goes to Ned's house and, like, apologize, basically. Yeah. I, it's a it's a whirlwind of shit that just happened. Like they wrapped this movie up. It, it, I mean, it's it's basically like, I mean, movies without a plot or not a strong plot, you end it by burning everything to the ground. And that's what it <laughs> that's is. Essentially, what they did. They're like, just light this shit on fire. Just pour all the 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 kerosene out. Light a match and throw it in the box. Yeah, that's essentially what happened. Yeah, it makes it that literally is what it is. It's like he burns the shit to the ground. I think that we missed a moment where he takes Lily to his ex-wife because she's at a salon. He's like, "I'll pay for your uh, your makeup to be done." It, but again, the whole moment is just meant for him to be like, "Why don't you talk to someone who understands what you're going through?" But he used it to talk to his ex-wife for a second and be like, "I'm being a good guy." But the whole point of the moment is just like, "Hey, talk with Lily. She needs someone that can understand." 
a husband being a piece of shit who doesn't like understand her and love her and respect her. There's a moment earlier when we missed when uh, Reggie's talking with the owner where she's like, I don't even let my kids watch hockey because kids will imitate whatever they see on TV. Hmm. And uh, you see this now with Killer, who is like literally owning into his lifestyle. And then later at the parade, there's all these kids who are lined up. Yeah. And I mean, I think as far as the social commentary goes, that's probably one of the things the movie gets you know, right? <laughs> like, at least it's not completely, uh, you know, missed, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's it's kind of an irony um, in reg- yeah, with the sport where it's like all they care about is the blood and the violence and uh, this has a message about not just kids, but people in general, about wh- wh- where is the line that we draw of decency? Um, why is one okay, not the other? Um, for adults, for kids, for anybody really. And that's kind of where the message is being laid at. So, But uh, there is the moment where Reggie kind of finally owns up to his mistakes in the forest where he's screaming to Ned because Ned apparently lives in a forest. I don't know why. Um, but he's lying. He says, oh, fuck it. There's no team next year. We're not getting sold. I'm retiring next year. But he's like, what we're doing is we're going to win the fucking championship. We're going to play clean, old school hockey, none of this wrestling shit. Uh and then at the end of his apology, he has to throw more jab about Lily being with him. Because he just can't take the high road. We're finally, I think, I guess, sanctimoniously at the last game. Reggie finally confesses. He made up the whole thing going to Florida. He found out what they were going to do with them. Uh, and then there's a moment where he says, I'm ashamed. And then the Hansons go, not you, coach. <laughs> um, just... It's so yeah. funny. Uh, the last game, it's. I almost want to say this is like pure seventies end of a comedy movie type situation. It's like finally, you know, the one guy we've been trying to convince this whole time to, you know, essentially like, you know, play for because I think Ned, like Ned as a character, he kind of plays for himself a little bit. Yeah, because Ned shows back up in the background during this speech. Right. And, you know, I I guess eventually what leads to all the chaos is Ned finally giving in. Uh, The funny moment here is that you see that the – like he basically says, hey, we're going to play clean. We're going to play old school hockey. And the Hanses are the first ones to jump in. They're like, we're going to do it. Then they're listing off random uh, old hockey players. Um, but then we see Joe in the crowd, and he has a bunch of people he's like shaking hands. We find out they're all scouts who are looking for these fighting-type players. The Chiefs come out. The Syracuse team doesn't come out. And the letter is given to the announcer, and we find out that it's all of the people we've heard about in the movie. McCracken's there. He's for the team now. Yeah. We have Mad, Ma- uh, Mad Dog Madison, Scream Buffalo Swamp Town. Uh, and then they so they basically brought in all the goons to build the toughest goon squad allowed. But then we finally get the big payoff. And I did love this. Ogie Oglethorpe shows up and he's wonderfully played by the man himself who this is all based upon, Ned Dowd, which I think is such a cool little touch. All the guys trying to be nice where it's like, hi, Ogie, I'll buy you a soda after the game. And then they all just get fucking 
pummeled. You can also see the. This is where you clearly see the stunt double for Newman, um, Rod Bloomfield. Like his hair's sprayed gray. Yeah. Um, but they come back and they're beat to shit. And uh, Joe barrels in. He's like, "We're losing. They're burying us alive." And then um, the Hansons go, "Eddie Shore, old time hockey." And he goes, "Oh, piss on old time hockey." And he tells him that the the, the scouts are there. And then uh, calls them a bunch of pussies, leaves. Um, Reggie's like, oh shit, we fucked up. And then we smash cut to them fighting. And, and even the equipment people are fighting. And it's such a great fun moment. But this is where you're talking about. Yeah. Lily shows up, she's dolled up. And uh, Ned is the only one not fighting. He looks up and sees Lily. And his way of protesting against all this and being the basically anti-hockey player is not to fight, but to what? Strip. <laughs> exactly. And he has a wonderful strip routine. And do, when you were in band, did you casually have songs ready to go that were like stripping number, number seven? So you'd be like, You had that ready I mean, to go? Yeah. And like... Just with the with the drum line too, we would have like beats. Yeah, just to, of course. When, literally, when anybody says anything remotely sexual, it's like okay, it's time to play this. And uh, the the bet in kind of you know what we we're alluding to with the seventies comedy "Burn It to the Ground" ending is that Syracuse, which is who the Chiefs are playing in this championship game, um, they. <laughs> they forfeit the game because of Bray- of Ned Braden stripping on the ice. Not because of everybody beating the shit out of each other. It's Syracuse's captain who's going to the referee and, and complaining. And they're like, we're not going to play. It's McCracken, yeah. The guy who had a fucking bounty on his head. Yeah. And, and it's so funny. He's like, this isn't hockey's played. Hockey, this isn't hockey. And that's, again, the whole moment of the violence is fine. It's the it's the the game's not serious anymore because he's almost yeah. naked. <laughs> I don't want it's like I don't want to see a body. But it's I like, I love this the somebody. the dirty grandma who has binoculars. She's like, hey, what's up here? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the ref literally gets punched and he goes, he skates back and goes, that's it, you lose. Yeah. Yep, uh, and, that, and that's it. The Chiefs win. And yeah, he, but there is another great line by the referee. He gives the trophy to Reggie. He goes, "Here you go, you bum. <laughs> you win the championship." Yeah, yeah. Ned's skating so. around in his jock strap at this point. Took everything off. We do get a uh, a funny moment where he has the cup in the air and he hops off the ice and use is an ass shot. And then uh, we cut to the parade. The Hansons have a glasses shaped float. And this is where I said in the background there's literally a movie theater for Deep Throat. Reggie says he got a contract in Minnesota. He's gonna bring all the guys. And uh, there you go. And he's literally hanging on to her car because Francine's driving away in the middle of a parade, weirdly enough. She drove in the middle of the parade to leave. Right, because because it's a it's a Greece style exit where car float car floats into the yeah. air away. Yeah. It's like But he I mean no yeah. He's hanging on to the side of the car, literally hanging on to her, and he's like, If it doesn't work out, come find me Meso and then he lets go. But then uh, Reggie, Ned, and Lily are all in the same car. Ned kisses Lily, so they probably made up. And then uh, that's it. And we're done. This was the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, how do you feel about this one now after covering it? 
I mean, like, I think it it met my expectations. The physical comedy's hilarious because you know that never really goes out of style. I'd say it's the um, dialogue and it's the cheesy yeah. moments and some of the weird uh, sexual like, things. The sexuality jokes, just like <laughs> gay equals funny. I mean, that's like a very you know seventies comedy thing, you know, and I really I mean eighties night. I mean, it's been in comedy in different ways for a long time, unfortunately. But yeah, you know, that's... And it, okay. And it, can, I, I just want to say, and it can be funny, like yeah. sexuality and jokes and nudity and well placed timing, things like that. That can be funny. Like I said, like his ass come off the rink, funny little beat. And well, there yeah, are moments I, where it's funny. But, and but there are some parts where it's like clearly we're like, come on, what are we doing here? Right. There's some lines. It's, I don't want that to be the overarching like theme of this movie. I think Oh no. The the down home nature of everything and the idea that like losing the job and you know, working as hard as you can and at the end of the day still getting screwed over by the man. The the comedy that's there from the athletic like moments and the Hansons and Paul Newman's character, like, there's great moments, but you're absolutely right that some of that stuff is just like it's not necessary yeah. for this movie to be funny. Whatever, seventies. I'm not going to care now. Yeah, um, yeah. Whatever um, floats the boat. But the Hansons lived up to, like, I, I just, I think my favorite part was their, um, like, I guess outside of the famous moments in the movie, it's like when they're in the hotel room with the slot cars, just like there are these little these little boys at heart you know the little boys that are trying to live the dream yeah that's a wholesome moment in a otherwise not wholesome movie right but definitely like entertaining in its own way and you know it's, it's a good time capsule into kind of that era of of hockey where you know the game was transitioning and also i'd say like just as a society we we were like late seventies going into the eighties where things really would shift. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed watching it. I'm glad that I, that I did because now I at least understand the, the references and, you know, understand why people are wearing Charlestown chiefs jerseys. Right. <laughs> so I, I'm glad that we were able to do this. Uh, I'm glad we were able to uh, talk about a hockey film uh, in a really important period, pun intended of hockey time. Uh, yeah. Again, go Knights. They're winning right now. Uh, yeah, it's not close. It's like four nothing. Good. Put <laughs> put the dagger in them. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, this um, is gonna be. It's this is not looking like a close series so far, man. Cool. Florida doesn't deserve it, so that's fine. <laughs> um, but thank you, Jamie, for coming on here. Thank you for letting us do that hockey. And uh, listener, stay tuned for some great stuff. And you know the drill, as always. It's to be kind and please rewind. Intro song from YouTube Audio Library by DJ Williams. Recordings done on Clean Feed. Podcast distributed by Anchor. Original logo created by friend of the pod, David. Current logo created by friend of the pod, Liz. Purring by Storm.